What's up, everybody? I'm Kyle Hamilton, All-American Safety for University of Notre Dame, and I just want to say thank you for tuning into the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulton Yards College Football Podcast. Uh, we are full steam ahead into the 2021 season. You'll have heard Raj and Kieran talking about quarterbacks um, just the other day through our uh, summer scouting series that we've started and we're doing one of those each week. Um, and now myself and Andy are back and we are going to do some previews for the uh, Power 5 conferences over the next few weeks as we kind of count down the weeks of the season. Mate, it's caught up with us, isn't it? You know, we've got the Euros and then this college football season is right there with us now. I know, mate. I was I was feeling quite like slow with it all, and then that SEC hype podcast. Uh, <laughs> so that SEC hype, hype video dropped the other day, and just fully in again. Like I've been yeah. listening to other podcasts. I've been like just browsing players. I've just been like I, I don't know about you, but that pandemic, we kind of all went well. That pandemic and the pandemic, <laughs> we went, we went all fully in on football and anything to kind of remove ourselves from it this time last year, mm. and um, and I, I just had a bit of. A bit of fatigue from it all after the draft, to be honest. Needed a little break, like fantasy yeah. football. My interest just dived completely off the radar. And um, but now it's picking back up again. Now that we're actually, you know, not talking about the same thing. I think like the dolphin stuff that I do kind of dragged it all down a bit with this constant tour crap all off season. Just started <laughs> spot it to rest and let's talk some some college football, man. I, I'm excited. Yeah, that's it. I think I think we're all feeling it, weren't we? Considering that we just put in so much work with the draft guide talking about the same players, the same teams. We got a little bit of a break uh, at the end of the season after the draft, like you said. We went into the Euros, sort of watching another sport, and now we're back into it, talking with like fresh impetus about these new players and new teams and things like that. But uh, That's it, man. yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. And like you say, it's only about six weeks away, isn't it? I think I saw a tweet earlier on saying like 38 days when we're recording. We're recording on the Wednesday evening, so it'll be a couple of days after when we get this out to you guys. So yeah, we've got like, what, 35 days basically since, you know, it's like five weeks. Crazy, isn't out. Yeah, um, um, man, that is huge. Yeah, yeah. And it means that we have to get a bit of a hurry on with our content as well, doesn't it? Because we've all been <laughs> kind of like chilly and kind of doing some things. And then, um, yeah, we're thinking like, God, we ever get started. So let's crack on because we are, we are going to kind of try and keep these previews short and snappy. Um, but yeah, we're going to start off with my favourite conference. We're going to start with the Pac-12 this evening. I'm going to give you kind of an overview of the conference, uh, players to watch, teams to watch, and some final thoughts and just kind of get out of here, just kind of get you started. Because well, you'll be doing exactly what Andy's just been saying, going to be going through, consuming as much content as you can about college football, I'm sure, starting off with us. So, yeah. Um, so, mate, yeah, start us off. What, what's your kind of overview for this conference and what are your kind of thoughts on it? As a, I'll say an outsider because I've kind of classed myself as a bit of an insider. <laughs> no, no, fair enough. Um, oh, to be honest, mate, it's one of those competitions. I think I said it in the kind of preview piece I wrote for the website where there's a lot of good teams. I don't think there's any great teams and, and thus it's almost a kind of a bit of a battle to to stay relevant on the national stage for the Pac-12 again this year, isn't it? I mean, mm. there's a lot of big out-of-conference games to start the season for a few of the bigger teams in the Pac-12. And so my worry is, like, are we, are we just going to talk about them for a bit and then they're just going to drop off straight away when, you know, the Ohio State come into town, Michigan, you know, a couple of the other SEC teams. And and you're just thinking like, you know, what if they all lose, 
what, what relevance does it have this year? And obviously there's going to be good football. There's always good football in the Pac-12, but everything's so kind of playoff orientated these days, isn't it? That, that there's a real battle for relevancy, to be honest. And, and I don't know what you think to that. And, and if it's like, if you think there's one team that can separate from the pack, et cetera. But, uh, yeah. I, I think I agree with the way you started off. It is a bit of a, um, a war of attrition. It's a lot of battling from, for kind of just gaining marginal gains and kind of being that, I'll say best team in the conference, but like you say, there's no like kind of big, big team. It's not like one dominant team. I think there's a couple of good teams and we'll just come on to that when we talk about our teams to watch and things like that. But I don't think this conference is going to be playoff relevant. I do think they'll come out on the wrong side of those big games, as you mentioned at the start of the season. And then once it goes into like the conference play and things like that, I guess interest will kind of fade away, apart from if you're a fan of those teams. But on a national scale and international scale, obviously from our point of view, yeah, it's not going to be the good conference that it has been. It's probably going to be um, talk down quite a lot because I think a lot of these teams are going to beat each other as always and I think we're going to get that sort of middling um, kind of a lot of teams with a similar record so I think there's a couple of good teams I think there's a lot in the middle and then there's two probably quite bad teams I would say um, and then it's just going to be the same sort of infuriating thing where they're just going to beat each other it's going to be out of um, contention for the top four as a person who likes back 12 I cannot wait for the expanded conference uh, college uh, <laughs> playoff because it's going to mean that there's some relevancy there but yeah media hype is going to die down I don't think there's going to be a great deal there one good thing is all teams or most of the teams at least are going to look good when they're doing it because obviously we saw the UCLA um, like kind of uniform hype video with Jordan Brand hooking up there and they're going to look pretty cool when they get together and obviously there's some great uniforms in there so it's a crumb of comfort for someone if it's not from the, the football no, aspect <laughs> but that's it isn't it but but the, the, like it is a real kind of purist division isn't it I mean I, I I really enjoy watching these teams and when they kind of do head out um, to the east coast and play the kind of ACC and the and you, you know to dames and that sort of thing it's a really interesting watch because it's quite like a they've all got quite distinctive brands of football haven't they really like you, you look at the USC passing attack it's always quite dominant you, you're Washington and Utah's running the football, mm. um, you know, all that, that, there's a very de- definitive style of play and, and it's always really interesting. I think that you, you hit the nail on the head when it goes to the 12-team conference, any of these teams can beat any other team on any given day, but over a season to expect one of them to go unbeaten just kind of removes them from that relevancy. But when you kind of start seeing two lost, three lost teams breach the bottom of those playoff rankings, I don't see why these teams can't become a lot more nationally exciting and that that's why you know i'm completely in favor of expanding the playoffs and mm. that sort of that's the reason why really get get a few more of these one-off games where anyone can do anything on any given saturday to, to kind of slightly change the phrase and, and it's going to be exciting isn't it yeah that's it that's it and you know it's one of those things where like you say these teams will become the giant killers of the new playoff format at the moment they you know you look at the sec you know we look at like we'll do this in a you know, week or two and we look at the sec or some of the other more dominant, some of these conferences have a more dominant team, should I say. And you look at the schedule and you think, well, they're not going to lose until, or potentially lose until, you know, here. It's way down the line. You know, you look at the Pac-12 teams, schedule coming up and you think, well, they could be lost, that could be lost, that could be lost, because they're all like pretty even, as we've been saying. So, yeah, it's um, it's going to be kind of one for the future. One thing for, for this year is I think this um, conference lacks a bit of star power. I don't think there's like many real national stars i'm going to say for the college football season coming up i think there's a few and multiple we'll, again we'll get to that but i think it's like in star power especially at the quarterback position i don't think there's a great quarterback from what i've seen over the past couple of years well that's let's get on to that in a bit i'm, I'm gonna surprise okay. you with my best quarterback <laughs> in the division and okay. probably actually i think you might actually kind of almost agree but we'll get there um just one quick final thing on the kind of general overview you obviously did your piece on the new uh commissioners and um, do you want to like talk us 
you know a minute about who he is and will he make a difference immediately sort of thing well I mean as someone who likes the comments very much I hope so because Larry Scott who was the old commissioner um he he was a bit of nothing I mean he started off with big plans he tried to invite Texas over which is kind of I guess is getting topical uh, to the Pac-12 along with a couple of other teams which didn't work out and that was many many years ago and then he's just overseen this kind of, I mean, obviously it's been a power five conference, but he's kind of overseen its mediocrity, really. Whereas I would imagine someone coming in from George Klavkov's background, where he's kind of within the Vegas circles, because he's come from MGM, he's going to want to put this conference on the map. I feel like the, um, obviously everything that's going on with Oklahoma and Texas, I feel like they might have eyes on it, because, I mean, we'll talk about this, I'm sure, later on down the line, but... With Texas and Oklahoma, I think there's a lot of politics with the SEC that will mean that probably won't happen. That's just my opinion. I'll end up with egg on my face. I don't know. But I think the Pac-12 will look to benefit from that and might actually extend that invite to go west rather than to go east. Um, but yeah, hopefully he's going to want to put it on the map. I mean, the, the uh, conference headquarters have moved from San Francisco to Las Vegas. The uh, conference championship is going to be at Old Giant Stadium in Las Vegas. So I think that kind of signifies a little bit of uh, razzmatazz I guess and wanting to put it on the sort of national uh, spotlight again and you know with his background in entertainment rather than football I think he's going to want to kind of have that mode of thought I think we'll see some big things from the Pac-12 in terms of you know making it a bit more marketable and more exciting on national scale again yeah man that's all just like exciting stuff isn't it we just want to make sure that they you know it's, it's difficult being in, in in the UK as well isn't it because that that excitement is there but when you look at the time of the game and like I had a quick look the other day and I was I saw a post saying oh, which games are you looking forward to I was looking it's like 3am like I always forget every year that I, I, I get up and the game's still on and I'm yeah. like what are you, what are you doing <laughs> like, so yeah it's quite difficult to watch isn't it because you watch the highlights but you don't get the same I never get the same vibe watching highlights it's always a bit like you know you don't really get fully comprehend how good each player is and that sort of business so yeah um very difficult to watch it as a UK fan so that, that's why I'll stick to my ACC but, it is uh, yeah. <laughs> it is it's one of those things where you've got to have a couple of tricks up your sleeve obviously you know if you've got an ability to record bt sport there's a late game on or go on the espn player get that game and screen record it that's what i've been doing a couple of times you know nice. people out there um, and obviously you have to set your laptop to not shut down after an hour or whatever <laughs> just set it to never shut down screen record it and then you've got a recording of it anyway a little scouting tip as well for anyone who's listening who might nice. want to use that trick nice. in the future um <laughs> but yeah though no, obviously you know it's a conference I and mean, let's get into the teams that we'll be watching I'll start off with you. I mean, I've got a couple that I want to mention and kind of a one kind of like dark horse. I don't know how you kind of set it out with how you want to mention these. Yeah, I mean, I've got two that I want to mention, but I don't, I, again, I picked like ones that probably aren't the top two if you're looking at USC and uh, and um, Oregon as the top mm. two. So I, I'll kick it off with a little chat about Utah, if I may, because um, I'm quite intrigued by Utah this year. Um, mm. I like the fact they've got a full kind of, quarterback battle ongoing um had a look into it earlier uh charlie brewer versus cam rising obviously cam rising coming back from that injury that took him out of the game first game of the season last year and ruled him out for the season so a lot of kind of everyone well a lot of people seem to assume that charlie brewer is going to be the starter um obviously that's a kind of transfer situation and, and i don't know about you mate but it's very rarely that like a tra- like obviously you've got joe burrow and everyone will point that there's very rarely that kind of older transfer goes into a place and kind of takes it by storm, isn't it? So I, I'm I'm a bit dubious about them starting Brewer at quarterback, but if they do, um, I think they've got some of the like really like intriguing, exciting kind of options at wide receiver. You've got Theo Howard who's come mm. over from Oklahoma. You've got Munir McLean who's come over from USC. Both like well-hyped guys. And, and I think that 
you know, the, the kind of fall off season, which we didn't, which we take for granted every year, but seems to be getting more and more emphasis this season. That that kind of connection that those guys are building, it's going to be like, it's going to just transform that, that Utah offense and you're not going to know what's coming. Last year, there's a lot of force in the ball to Brant Queeth, obviously, at tight end, who's a very, very good player, very exciting player as well. Um, and the run game was a bit hit and miss last year. That's why they brought in TJ Pledger and Chris Curry, and who are both quite like stocky guys, aren't they? They're going to be mm. absolutely hammering the ball through through that offensive line. So, yeah, I, I'm really excited for Utah, actually. A bit bit different, Um and I think they're going to change the way they play a bit. Normally, obviously, I mentioned earlier, they're normally a run-first team. But some of those exciting players, I mean, how about this for a stat, right? Utah last season, last in the nation in passes to outside receivers, like 127 teams, and they just got the ball to the outside literally never. It was like 15% of their passes went out wide, and that's how much they focused on Queef down the middle. Mm-hmm. So Howard, McLean, big guys on the outside, you know, let, let me see that. I'm, I'm excited for you, Tom. I don't know about you. What, what do you reckon to them? Yeah, I mean, just generally, the general kind of overarching point, considering, you know, Kyle, uh, Kyle Hamilton, <laughs> not quite, Kyle Whittingham has been the head coach for, since forever and a day. They're always a team to me that kind of, you look at them on paper and you think, wow, they're kind of a middling team, but he always gets them playing. He gets them, you know, to play some like above their sort of level on paper, let's say. And to be honest, to go back to what you mentioned about Charlie Brewer, I think it's a really good get for Utah. I don't know if he's he's not like a he's not gonna blow anyone away, is he? You know, he's been at Baylor, he's been fine. And he'll probably be just fine for Utah as well. But you know, when was the last time that Utah had anything apart from just fine at quarterback, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and they still get it done and they still win a lot of games all the time. And like you say, they do have that distinct style and they'll have a good offensive line because again, they always do and they always like run the ball really well. And you know what, with with Theo Howard and, and Queese as well, because they're both two really interesting players who you can do a lot with. Because Keith, uh, Keith used to be a running back in high school before he transferred to tight end. He's still a tiny tight end in the grand scheme of things. And obviously, in Theo Howard, you, know, you can do a little bit of him again, a smaller receiver. So I'm wondering if they're going to get a bit tricky and things like that with, with those two players and kind of mix it up, not just kind of be this ground and pound team, as you mentioned. But yeah, they, they're, going to be, they're going to be good again. They're going to be around there and um, going to be um, there and thereabouts. I don't know if they've got the star power. Like I said, I know that I've just said a minute ago that the whole conference is lacking star power. But I do find that I think I look at the rosters of Oregon and USC and I just think, well, you kind of got your conference champion championship yeah. game right there yeah. already. But you know, there's going to be some problems caused, as I mentioned, because there always is. Yeah, exactly. And and like I won't bang that the um hammer too hard on McLean at the moment, but I, I just love those outside receivers that go up and, and get the ball. And he's got all that kind of I, this is the kind of thing we talked about on the transfer portal episode, wasn't it? And and it's got all the opportunity in the world now to kind of resurrect what was a bit of a uh, damp squib um, of a like you know start to his college career. And here's your opportunity. He could be that star power. Obviously, when he came through at USC, everyone was talking about him above the likes of St. Brown, above the likes of Drake London. Um, mm. So go and grab it, mate. Go and go and take advantage and be that guy. That's what that's what I'm excited to see, man. That's How it. That's it. And I mean, just to one really, really brief point, obviously with Brewer being that more experienced quarterback, you think he'd have that kind of instant connection or more or quicker connection in terms of picking up the chemistry, picking up the concepts and things out of the offense. And it could be a partnership that you could see kind of flourish if he does get the start. So you say, you know, let's not kind of etch him in stone as the yeah. starter just yet, because obviously it is a bit of a battle down there. Um, I'm going to start off with like just the, the big two. Obviously, I'm just going to talk briefly about those two. Um, obviously, you've got the Oregon in the north, USC in the south. 
the, these are the, the crown jewels of the conference, really. But what I think is going to be really interesting about these two, and like I said, even though I'm pretty much saying this is going to be a conference championship right now, they're going to have really distinct sort of strengths and weaknesses that kind of play off against each other and probably going to make it a really interesting um, conference game. Utah, uh, sorry, not Utah, sorry, Oregon's uh, strength is going to lie in the defence. They've lost a little bit of star power on the offence over the past couple of years. Obviously, they've got Anthony Brown, who's probably going to be their quarterback. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's very <laughs> meh, isn't it? You know, and if you couldn't displace Tyler Shuck, who's obviously transferred to Texas Tech, what do we got? What, what do we have at quarterback? We don't have a great deal. Plus, I feel like, you know, it's been the same guys in terms of the wide receiver and the, the running back position that it has been for the past couple of years. You know, it's Jalen Red. Um, I know we've got Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman's younger brother, um, but it's the same sort of guys, you know, all the time. And, you know, it, it, they, they've never been huge stars anyway. But on the defence, we've got Thibodeau, we've got Noah Sol, we've got Michael Wright, we've got Verone McKinney. You've got some real star power on that defence. I do think it's going to be a dominant defence, but I do think that side of the ball's going to lead for Oregon rather than it being kind of the Justin Herbert, Marcus Mariota kind of, when it was more of an offensive team, air raid system and things like that that's kind of spreading out. Talking of which, that's exactly what USC are going to do. And if they can get Caden Slovis kind of ticking again, I know the guy has kind of done an agreement over the, on the scouting podcast. I think Kieran liked him, Raj didn't. I think he's going to split opinion again. And that's exactly what he's done over his college career, isn't it? As a freshman, he was fantastic. I remember you know, a couple of years ago, we were really talking about him as yeah. like the next big thing. Um, last year, not so much. And it's kind of this Jekyll and Hyde thing that they've got going on. Defensively for USC, they've lost a lot of talent over the, you know, the draft and last couple of years. Kofanga, Galtiote, Marvin Tiapilotu, Jace Fele, Elijah Griffin. Um, that's a big spine. That's a lot of the team that's gone. So it's going to be very much on the offense and that air raid and, Keen Slovis to connect with like to Drake London, as you mentioned before, Brew McCoy, uh, and the rest of the guys who are on there. And it's going to be kind of offense versus defense, I think. And it's going to be kind of that um, yeah, that, that battle between two different sort of styles and strengths of the team that's going to make this a, an interesting battle if this becomes the championship game, which I'm predicting. Yeah, I think for me, like the Oregon, I, I do definitely agree that the front of the Oregon defense is the, that's the star power in this league, in this conference, is that those like seven guys on the on the front end of that defense. But for me, the secondary is a bit of a worry. I think like the the kind of they're kind of new starters or they're, they're a new tandem at the corner, and, mm. and they're going up. I think they've got Ohio State in like week two or three, haven't yeah, they? That's right, two, yeah, yeah. And like that is the best wide receiver core in, in the country for most people. That is going to be like a hell of a learning curve, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think that the kind of games I've got all around that perfect game for them to bed in. But like we were saying earlier, that national relevancy could be kind of stamped on there. And then as those wide receivers absolutely tear them apart. On the flip side, obviously, new quarterback for Ohio State, so it might not be fully clicked yet. So that's, that's the thing to watch. But if they don't click in the secondary, then like you say, that USC team is going to take advantage of that when the, if they face up in the championship game, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the other teams as well have got decent receiving receiving threats and, and Arizona and stuff like that will be uh, interesting propositions for them. So so yeah, I, I think there's a I think there's weaknesses in the in the um, in the Oregon defense, but I still think it's probably the best defense in the conference. Um, yeah. USC wise, I must admit, mate, I, I came on the podcast last year bang the drum for Slovis to start the year. But I've just got, I am getting major doubts at the moment, just the kind of hot and cold we saw from last year. And when he was, when he was naff, that's a proper English word for, for you. <laughs> when he was naff, he was naff. Like he was yeah. naff. Um, and some of the throws were just so, oh, like what was he? I mean, I'm, 
I, to be fair, I can hardly throw a football 10 yards, so I can't say anything. But what's what's going through his head when he's, in, he's making some of these very basic mistakes? So that's a big worry. If he can eradicate that this year, he's a first-round quarterback, isn't he, in terms of like, you know, uh, going through, in terms of just all the physical attributes, he's got it. But it, just decision-making for me. Um yeah, and then the, the offensive line at USC, obviously massive uh, ABT fan last year. Is it is it going to hold up this year? It's a lot of like, you know, the, the pressure on Slovis kind of contribute to some of that poor play last year. They've got rid of their best player on the line. What's going to happen there? That's, yeah. that's a big, big, big question mark for me. I'll flip it over to the to team. I think that going to be one of the best teams in, in the conference this year in Washington. Um, I hope they've been off Dylan Morris quite quickly and I hope they go to Sam Huard Huard I don't know Americans don't like to do the kind of fancy pronunciation so it's probably Huard the Brummie accent (laughs) (laughs) so um, best pro style quarterback recruit in the nation like obviously got the family tied to Washington as well just get him under centre he's obviously going to be a hell of a player I've watched his high school tape and that pocket presence is already very much there so they can protect him why not go with him? And I think they've got two young receivers in jail and McMillan and, and Rome Adunze, 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 another one. I, I'm just not very good at putting that in I know you're much better than me, but I don't know if you've even looked at Rome Adunze. I, 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 I would have said so, Adunze as well. So well, let's go with that. <laughs> let's go with that. But, but two really young wide receivers, it just makes perfect sense to me. Throw them out there with your young quarterback. Okay. If it doesn't, it doesn't gel this year and you, fin- you finish with seven wins, so be it. But that connection's there and it's only going to get better, isn't he? And you've also got, people like Cade Otten, future NFL tight end, to, to take all the pressure off the quarterback over the middle, six foot five tight end. You're not going to get any better safety blanket than that, are you? Interestingly for Washington, I thought they'd balance the offense a lot with the kind of new new coaching staff and that sort of stuff on that side of the ball. They ran the ball more than they'd ever done before, in, in, in well, more than they did in 2019 and 2020. I guess that's all part of the pandemic hit season and just sticking with what you know best. So I'm looking for them to balance that this year. They've got a new secondary um, coming in and, and players that have been backups and stuff before. But in Kyler Gordon, Trent McDuffie, two former four-star cornerbacks, um, the latter of which Trent McDuffie getting a lot of draft hype already. So I'm really excited. I'm most excited to see their five-star linebacker guy as well, Saval Smalls, uh, rough first season there. But this is just like quite new, isn't it, Washington, getting these five-star guys. You know, if they all come good, hell of a hell of a team and, and quite exciting to watch so, yeah Washington my kind of dark horse team yeah no mate I'd agree with that Washington are always there thereabouts again Jimmy Lake obviously came up under Chris Peterson and you know he was there on the staff and he's kind of just picked, picked up the baton it reminds me a little bit of Ryan Day kind of you know not not that kind of level obviously but you know that kind of guy who's been in the system he's been there with these players and he kind of just becomes head coach and kind of carries on like you say the running game might have been because they're a young team and because they didn't want to have any mess, mistakes or anything like that and, you know, just kind of lose games from kind of playing themselves out of it. But yeah, I completely agree. Get hard in there. It's one of those things where he's young, he's probably going to make mistakes. But as we kind of just said right at the top of the podcast, no one's great in this, this conference at the minute. So get your guy some reps, get him kind of set for the next couple of years, maybe take your lumps, but then, you know, next year in 2022 and 2023, if he's still there, then you're going to be kind of one of the best teams in there because you've got the guy at quarterback who's really experienced and has played for a long time. We've obviously got a couple of quite experienced linemen in there as well who will be protecting him as well. Jackson Kirk on the left tackle and Luke Wattenberg as well. Uh, Wattenberg is actually quite surprised that he didn't come out last year. I thought he was quite decent. Um, But yeah, Jackson Kirkland as well, he's getting a lot of draft hype. 
um, in a, what seems to be a pretty decent tackle class coming up again. Um, but yeah, I know Washington always there, thereabouts. Like you say, a young team and just get them, get them to throw the place and walk. It's full season. Get them some, uh, get them some reps and things like that and, and away they'll go for sure. So yeah, no, completely agree with Washington. Sweet. Um, do you want to move on to kind of players or any other kind of teams you want to... Uh, the, only, the only one I wanted to shout out really, really quickly was for kind of a bit of a self-burn really. I wanted to kind of shout out UCLA because I do think they intrigue me quite a lot. Um, obviously, this time last year, I won't try to kind of shy away from it. I was very vocal about it. I gave them a zero win prediction in my conference preview. <laughs> they ended up with three, three, three and four records. So I'm not going to like take a horrendous hit, but I still want to kind of say I was wrong. And I was also wrong on Dorian Thompson Robinson as well, who I had as a sixth rounder. And he played fine. You know, he was pretty decent. And if he can take a leap again, I think there's a real player there because he's got his mobility and he becomes that kind of modern NFL quarterback that we've, you know, we've been talking about quite a lot recently. And they've got a good O-line there as well. They've got Sean Ryan, I'm going to say, is maybe the pronunciation or there's a rogue H in there for some reason. And there's another decent lineman as well. I think it's the same. Alec, Alec Anderson at right tackle. Now, the right tackle, he's one of my guys to watch, actually, Alec Anderson at right tackle. Really um, kind of came in at the last minute with kind of COVID stuff last year to start and looked like bang on. Really, I think he's he's definitely playing on Sundays. Huge, like, strength in his upper body. And kind of, obviously, the right tackle is the easier job in, in, in inverted commas on that line for, for the quarterback's protection. But I thought he handled himself really, really well. And, and he was all kind of part of... Uh, DTR's advancement and mm. and DTR is going to be my guy I said at the start like I think he's going to emerge as the best quarterback in this division by the end of the year okay okay and I, and I think he's and I, I completely like you know I get why people were down on him but you've just got to think he didn't start a football game until his like senior year of high school and he's learned the position on the fly um, you know and he's having to take all of those hits that he wouldn't have taken at high school and all that sort of stuff. And and now we're kind of, we're going to see almost the kind of the best college version of DTR that we're going to see. I, I'm very high on him this year. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people go quite, quite high in the draft. There you go. Oh, okay. I was I wasn't expecting that little bit at the end as well. I was kind of agreeing with you. I don't know about that. I mean, yeah, I guess you can say it's points of experience. And when I was watching him last year, which would have been what is 2018 film decision-making was abysmal and that's what really yeah. put, put him down I could basically the reason why I was a sixth rounder was because of his physical attributes and you know if he didn't have that then it would have been no conversation to be had but yeah like I say I had egg on my face a little bit because he did make pretty decent strides forward and like you say I mean I agree I agreed up to a point I don't know if he'll go too high in the draft <laughs> but you know oh, we're here getting that's, getting what we're here <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're here for and yeah you know do you what I mean if he can stay healthy behind that line. And, you know, there's there's a little bit of talent on that roster, I think, throughout as well, that's kind of a bit underrated. So, yeah, they're my team to watch. I don't know if they'll live up to their um, city rivals, but, you know, they might win a few games and bloody a few noses, and that's what the Pac-12 is going to be like this year, and they could be the guys to do it and be kind of those surprise teams. Awesome. Yeah, and obviously we could have talked about any of these teams, really. Arizona State are going up there on the nine-win tally and stuff like that. So, all, all kind of, that's the only one I think we missed out of the kind of big four for, for me. But, you know, very talented team and, and looking forward to, to seeing them compete. Um, players to watch, mate, should we, should we go like two each on this? If that's um, if we've already kind of we've talked, we've t- touched on players as we've gone through, haven't we? So I was going to talk about um, uh, a guy who I'm quite high on as the, one of the better running backs in the league and in, in, in the conference. So that's Austin Jones at Stanford. Um, mm, okay. really, really, really liked his kind of debut year. Uh, 550 yards from on six games, averaging you know 90, 91 yards a game. Um, 
yeah, I think I've got in front of me nine touchdowns. I'm struggling to believe he got nine touchdowns in six games. But um, if hey, that's would have got a bit more recognition, you would have thought, wouldn't you, with that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, I think I, I've watched a lot of his tape because um, I, I kind of, um, for my other kind of side project, which is all about um, campus to um, to no, campus to Canton, yeah, campus oh, to campus, yeah. Fantasy, fantasy football, the kind of college guys that go into the into the league. So you've got to pick them early. I watched a lot of his tape. Really good, like low center gravity, gets through the tackles really well, but also got like, like really, really nice speed bursts. Uh, and he's one of those kind of three down guys that's going to be playing a lot of football in his career. He's definitely going to make it in, into the league for me. So, yeah, Austin Jones, Stanford, watch out for him. Not high on Stanford at all this year. Probably got them as. Um, as one of the worst teams in the conference, probably bottom of the Pac-12 North. But, you know, uh, give me him at running back and, and, and something might happen. Yeah, the, the Stanford were the team, one of the teams, the two teams that I said that probably weren't going to be very good. Um, Stanford, uh, Wash, uh, Oregon State were my other one as well, because I think they've lost their star talent in terms of Hamilcar Rashad and Jamal Jefferson, people like that. And I just think they're going to sink down again. And, and maybe Arizona as well, it could be cl- clubbed in with those guys as well. Um, I've got kind of a, I go, I've approached it in the same sort of way. I've gone for my two big ones and then I've got a kind of outside shout as well. I'll start with the outside shout that's what you've got. Um, but we might recognise the surname of this player um, more so than his full name, but that's uh, Levante Chenault, the wide receiver from Colorado. No prizes for guessing who his big brother is. <laughs> obviously, LaVisca Chenault of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, he's obviously come over and gone to the same college as his brother, didn't really play together, but uh, yeah, they've obviously been all sort of offered together by Colorado. Came over from Texas as well, so not kind of like an in, in-state, in-house kind of recruitment that have come from a different state and kind of come together. Um, reminds me a little bit from what I have seen. He's only a redshirt freshman, so I've not seen a great deal. I think we only saw um, four games last year and took that red shirt because we'd see so many, so little action. Um, it reminds me a little bit of his brother, the same sort of build, not, not as thick and things like that, but obviously he's much younger, still needs to get in that weight room a little bit. Um, he'll be obviously looking to make his mark just like he his brother did. He's kind of this all-action guy, he does return kicks as well. So he's kind of, um, you know, cut from the same mould and we'll hopefully be seeing um, kind of the same impact because Colorado, again, not a team that's got a great deal of star power on offence, especially at the moment. Um, but obviously with kind of the conditions and things like that, they're obviously a tough matchup, um, especially at home. The same sort of thing that you get with the Denver Broncos, I guess. So, um, yeah, one to watch out for, for sure. Not too much action, not too much um, tape on him so far, but does look like an interesting player. Uh, the bad news is that he was arrested for DUI earlier this month. I don't think it's going to be too bit, bit of a blot on the coffee book, uh, copy book, but obviously something to watch out for. Um, but yeah, he's my kind of one to watch as a kind of rough diamond, I guess, kind of following on from key titles that he's been doing. I just don't get how these players get arrested so often. I like, just, what are you doing? I like, just, just stay, stay in your house. It's not, it's not hard to not drink and drive. It's, it's just crazy, mate, isn't it? But um, anyway, the, the other guy, I'll, I'll package up two guys for my uh, other sort of shout here. And that's obviously the two we mentioned, which are Drake London and Brew McCoy. I think that's going to be a hell of a tandem this year. Mm. You can't struggle to beat that tandem, like, you know, and there's obviously teams with better wide receiver rooms, but that one-two punch is going to be really exciting. Um, London, obviously, um, being compared to, to Mike Evans, that kind of big guy with with not the best speed in the world, but more than enough to kind of make it make him a threat. And also just that catch radius is insane, isn't it? So, and, and we saw him bail out Slovis a hell of a lot last year. So uh, that's um, that, that's going to be a consistent theme, I think. And McCoy is like, I watched their highlights their spring game and he was quite, you know, 
all over the place, really, and looking like he's going to be a, a big threat. Obviously, former five-star guy who's transferred around a bit, hopefully found a home in that uh, receiver room there. But they've got some interesting interesting talent going through at receiver, and they, they seem to be a production line for the position at the moment, don't they? I'm still, still very angry about how, how low um, St. Brown went in the draft this year. I thought he was, uh, he was very underdrafted, and, and where he went as well. I was going to say, where he went probably hurts him even more, right? He's probably yeah. the, best, the best wide receiver on the team, already. <laughs> Exactly, and it's uh, and I just can't. It's a shame because I think like if he had a complimentary role for a year or two in the NFL, he'd grow into being that guy. But I think he's going to get written off if he if he can't put up big numbers with with Jared Goff in that kind of dumpster fire of a Lions team up there. So yeah. Anyway, um, the the USC receivers mate, very excited about them. Who's your other other guy? Well, my one one of my big ones was Drake London, and you've kind of written my notes for me in a way. I'm not going to kind of disagree too much with exactly what you said. I've even mentioned Mike Evans, the big frame. What I wanted to see from him, something that you didn't mention, is he's not caught that many balls. I know we've had a short in the season, but he got 39 catches in eight games as a freshman and 33 in six. I know it was kind of it was an improvement in, in terms of average at least, but I'd like to see that go up towards 70. You know, and him just become that dominant receiver because there's a lot of big wide receivers in this class. It's a little bit of a, a night and day kind of situation from last year when we had a lot smaller receivers. This year we've got a lot of bigger receivers, and he kind of wants to stand out. And I think getting that volume as well as kind of taking, um, <laughs> kind of taking those runs where he kind of just carries people with him, um, yeah. and like you say, the dominant catch radius kind of stuff. Uh, I think we need to see a bit more of the kind of bread and butter stuff where he's just kind of being that clutch receiver, taking some catches, and just being the guy in a very good offense in terms of the talent on there. Um, my, my other guy that I want to mention, I kind of shied away. Obviously, you know, we're going to mention Kayvon Thibodeau a heck of a lot. I'm going to mention him on the podcast next week when we've got the scouting. Uh, we're doing defensive line and edge. So I'm not going to mention Kayvon Thibodeau too much. Um, obviously, he's probably the best player in the conference. Probably looking at the top five pick in the draft next year. And hopefully, he'll be looking for a, a double-digit sack um, season to kind of best his nine that he had in his freshman year. Um, the guy I'm going to mention is Abraham Lucas, the right tackle for Washington State. Um, is a guy I watched last year when I was watching quite a lot of Pac-12 players quite early in the year, and I was really, really impressed by him. I think he's quite nimble, uh, packs a punch, he's doing decent in the run game. Um, obviously, I was watching um, Mike, um, what's the guy, the Mississippi State head coach that I've forgotten the name of. Mike Leach. Mike, yeah. Mike Leach offense, so it was a lot of air raid, he was doing a lot of pass blocking, didn't do a great deal in the run game, but he was decent in it and quite light on his feet when he was doing blocking for Max Borger, who's back again. Um, who would be another kind of dark horse and, and kind of receiving back who will be pretty decent. Um, obviously, Nick Rolovich is there now. It's not exactly the same offence. So hopefully going to see a bit more of a mixture of, of tape and things like that. And then we'll play that we're watching later down the line uh, in preparation for next year. But yeah, no, just a player that I just wanted to shout out. And I actually um, tweeted Dane Brugler about him and got his thoughts on him. And I actually got a reply, which is kind of rare. And he said he had like a sixth round grade on him. But after sort of seeing his progression last year, I think that'll probably be a bit higher. So he's definitely playing on the up and up. Um, so, yeah, not a, a glamorous player by any means. He's a right tackle for Washington State, who I think is going to be one of those teams in the middle. But, you know, a player that I think is going to be one of those that's going to be one of these nice players that we kind of see that isn't maybe the top echelons of that tackle class next year, but he's going to be kind of one of those. I wouldn't mind taking him like the start of day three, sort of middle of day two kind of thing, and he'll be a decent player in the NFL, I feel. Awesome. Hopefully you can team up with DTR, who will be drafted above him. <laughs> um, hey, if he brings you wrong again, so let's go for it. <laughs> mate, I feel like we've run over our half an hour brief for this, but that's fine. Um, Shall we make our prediction for who wins the conference and then nicely end it on that kind of segment there? 
Yeah, so I just had like a little rundown of my final thoughts. Um, like I said, I've mentioned it before that obviously I think that the championship game will be Oregon versus USC. I think defense will win out, so I think Oregon will take that. Um, as you know, it's one of those things, defense wins championship kind of thing, isn't it? But generally for the, for the championship game and finishing off with a bit of a prediction for that conference champion, obviously a lot of late nights, a lot of early morning sorts of games, as you mentioned, thrills and spills and, and top uniforms. No playoff contender, no super, super strong team, two decent teams, good teams. But, you know, I don't think we're going to get like a top six, eight bank team. I think it's going to be kind of like nine, 10, 11 that's going to be the champion for this conference. And probably two, you know, two losses at least for that conference champion. And I do think the conference champion will probably lose their ball game. That was kind of my, my thing to finish on. Um, I don't see um, either of those teams, if they do win the conference championship, kind of turning over a stronger rival from a different division. No, fair enough. Um, I've got to go slightly different to you there. I think it'll be Utah versus Oregon. Um, I think Utah's out-of-conference uh, slate is fairly simple compared to the other ones, so they'll be off and running, get themselves a nice couple of... I think they'll, like, they've got BYU in the second game, but I think this is a very different BYU team um, mm-hmm. than last year, so I think they they might benefit from that that BYU team trying to gel and, and they'll and beat them out, and so they'll be off and running nicely, and I think they'll have a nice conference sort of um, record as well. Obviously, they, they do have, um, you know, all the normals and, and Oregon's right there at the end of the season. So that could be make or break. But let's get to put them in there. And I reckon Oregon will, will, will win it again based on that defence. Um, I completely agree with you that I don't think anyone's going to be national championship really relevant. But I would like to see, you know, top top eight there for that Oregon team if they can pull everything together. I do think they're going to get, take an absolute hiding to our highest state there. I think that's going to be a, a bit of a, a you know watershed moment for the conference. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. That could be uh, one of these moments where we get the new quarterback at Ohio State and he's having this kind of game that you can pin on the locker room door and say, that I've kind of arrived in cold trouble already kind of thing. So I do think that that'll be a pretty, pretty heavy loss for Oregon because of the talent that Ohio State have across the board, for sure. Yeah, sweet. That was quite a I think we did keep it quite nifty, even if we ran over slightly. But yeah, um, enjoyed it doing you, mate. And let's um, let's do it again for another four conferences. Absolutely. What are we hitting up next? Uh, I don't know. I want to save uh, SEC to last, just because that's the big draw. So I reckon we go Big Twelve, maybe. Let's go Big Twelve. Let's do Big Twelve next week. Yeah. So there you go. So come back. Um, myself and Andrew are about doing the Big Twelve next week. Um, and obviously, you're going to have me again next week hosting the defensive scouting pods. Uh, we're going to do, as I mentioned, defensive line and edge. So there you go. There you have it. Come back to Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast next week. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you then. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Full 10 Yards. Thank you for tuning in to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We have great information and some great content for you guys. Keep on flying that flag.